0: Now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello everybody and welcome to Pats Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane. Here with you, as always, with my good buddy Rich Hill, breaking down all things that were in Week 13 of the NFL. Had some amazing finishes, had some insane finishes, had some predictable finishes, had some unpredictable finishes, and everything in between. And we're here to talk about all of it. More importantly, the Patriots, as we all predicted, just beating the ever-living crap out of the (laughs) Los Angeles Chargers. We all called that one. We all saw it coming a mile away. Rich, what the hell is happening right now? So, let
1: me get this straight. The Patriots went on the road where they haven't had any success whatsoever this year. Cam Newton only threw for 69 yards. That's it. They didn't have their starting left tackle. Their leading receiver had 38 yards, none of which came from Cam Newton. Uh, their other leading receiver was Sony Michelle, uh, who also, I don't believe that completion was from Cam Newton. So, uh, I have no clue. I have no clue how that type of offense leads to 45 points. Can you explain it to me?
0: I guess when you get two special teams touchdowns, that certainly helps. And when the Chargers just can't do anything offensively because the defense, as they tend to always do with rookie quarterbacks, give a lot of weird looks that confuse him and they force him into a lot of weird throws and they just can't go on the ground. The Chargers, neither. Chargers running back cracked 40 yards rushing. It was basically a defensive performance and a run-the-ball-down-your-throat kind of old-school. This was like an old-school, like early-2000s Patriots victory where the quarterback didn't need to do a whole lot because they are running the ball so well. And finally, Rich, finally, McDaniels decided to stop doing weird plays and do too much trickery. They just kind of did what they did well, and they... Succeeded, And now, while things around the league, trying to start with, didn't really go as well as I'd like to for the Patriots, uh, they at least are still very much in the playoff line.
1: Yeah, just to kind of kick it off, you know, the Steelers got their first loss of the season against the Washington football team. Alex Smith led them to a great victory, so that was very impressive. So there are no more undefeated teams in the league. The Steelers and the Chiefs are both sitting at 11-1 and atop the AFC, and the Chiefs clinched a playoff spot, uh, so good for it, Kansas City. That's absolutely out of the Patriots' reach. The Patriots literally cannot pass them, um, and so you're left with the the Bills in the three spot with a nine and three record. The Titans are leading the AFC South at eight and four, and then you have your three wild card teams: the Browns at nine and three, and then the Dolphins and the Colts, both at eight and four. So focusing on those wild card spots, Alec, you know, looking specifically at the Dolphins and the Colts at eight and four, the Patriots are a six and six. There are two other teams in the hunt between the Patriots and those wild card spots, with the Raiders at seven and five, and the Ravens at six and five, who will be playing tonight. Uh,
0: what are, what is the Patriots' path to the playoffs? Well, first of all, they have to win out, right? They're not going to make it in at 9-7. and seven. That's just not going to happen. So they have to win out. They have to go 10-6. and six. The good news is they have tiebreakers over both the Raiders and the Ravens. But at this point, if the playoffs started today, neither the Raiders or the Ravens are in the playoffs. Those seven seed is totally the Colts. Uh, the Cleveland Browns are a good team, I, <laughs> okay. I guess. I, I, they, they hung 41 on the Titans, who are no-so-slouch. No um, this is a very, very strange playoff seed because I don't really know exactly what's going on, but, uh, the good news is the way the schedule was unfolding as the season comes to a close teams that are in the playoff hunt combined for that wildcard spot, will be playing each other. And that could help the Patriots chances if they take care of business, uh, which we'll get to later on in the podcast. However, Rich, uh, one thing before we get into the Patriots jets, uh, Patriots Chargers game, I just get a little Freudian slip there. Um, <laughs> I have to talk about what happened with the Jets Raiders Absolutely. Um, in a way. If, if the Patriots had seen the Raiders beat uh, loose to the Jets, that would have really helped their plasma. Well, they would have jumped into the eight seed in the AFC. They would have needed basically one or two things to have throughout the course of the rest of the year to then to make it into the seven seed. But uh, for some reason, defense a former defensive coordinator, Greg Williams dialed up a zero blitz and rushed seven on a Hail Mary, Leaving a rookie D B with zero safety help against a four two forty running receiver and the Raiders pulled one out. You're gonna have a very time sitting here convincing me, very hard time convincing me that was not on purpose because the Jaguars lost and the Jets are in the line for that one seed, that one number one overall draft pick in Trevor Lawrence. Go ahead, Rich, tell me it wasn't on purpose.
1: Okay. It was the dumbest play call I've ever seen. <laughs> Outside of the Indianapolis Colts. I, I don't know. Like, okay, so the thought process behind this was that, you know, Greg Williams, their defensive coordinator, loves putting the pressure. He thinks that if you send an all-out blitz at a quarterback when he has to throw the ball, you know, 40, 60 yards, well, like however far it has to go. If you have to throw it that far, you send a blitz. The receivers won't have time to get all the way down the field and then that means that they can't score a touchdown on a Hail Mary if the players can't get to the end zone. That's the thought process. What that completely fails to recognize is that you don't have to throw the ball into the end zone in order to win on a Hail Mary. Like, you just don't need to. Like The fact of the matter is, is that Henry Ruggs is one of the fastest players in the league, and if you go an all-out blitz like the, the Jets did, and if you have no safety deep, if you have no help on the back end, that means you just need one player to slip behind a defender, and then they become an option. And yeah, Greg Williams is making the bet that the quarterback won't find that open player, but the 4-2, running, or 4-2 wide receiver is going to get open, and you just gotta throw it up and he will go underneath the ball and get it, and it just it's a dumb play call. It makes absolutely no sense, and uh, even though it hurts the Patriots' playoff chances, I wouldn't trade it for anything.
0: No, no, you're right. I mean, at at the end of the day, it would be nice if that was against a team that didn't really, like an NFC team that didn't really affect playoff seating. But not only did I have a great deal of joy watching that, uh, but I also think Greg Williams did it twice in this game. Um, And the only reason it didn't work twice is because Derek Carr overthrew his receiver. The guy was open again. It's like he had, a, he had a chance to rectify your mistake and learn that it's not a very good strategy, and he did it anyway. And he's now unemployed this morning, uh, possibly with a big bag of thank you cash at his front doorstep from the Jets for taking him for the team. I'm still going to go to my grave thinking they it on purpose, then get Trevor Lawrence. But that's neither here nor there, because luckily, thank goodness, Rich Hill. Thank Tebow. We are not Jets fans. We are Patriots <laughs> fans. And the Patriots absolutely blew the doors of the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday, 45 to nothing. They drove down the field immediately in their first drive, and one of their best drives of the season, punched it in, never looked back, scored 21 second quarter points, two special teams touchdowns, an absolutely dominant performance for pretty much everyone on the field except the quarterback. Uh, Where should we start, Rich?
1: Oh, man. Yeah, let's start with that. Let's start with the quarterback position, because that is the theoretically most important position on the team. Uh, But the Patriots haven't seemed to need Cam Newton to perform that way. Uh, Yeah, so 12 of 19 for 69 yards and one touchdown to Nikhil Harry. So fantastic to see that happen. Uh, It's important to note he had 14 rushes (laughs) for 48 yards and two touchdowns. So he was on his and the short yardage game and making sure that drives could be extended. He did exactly what the Patriots wanted him to do when they signed him. I'm sure that they would have liked to have a little bit more production in the passing game, even though it wasn't entirely necessary. Uh, And you know what? He's doing the best he can with the, the talent that he has out there at receiver. My thought with Cam is that he has been exactly what the Patriots thought that they were getting when they signed him for like almost zero money late in free agency. If you remove the the Patriots three games where, you know, Cam Newton was either out with COVID or clearly affected by COVID. So I'm talking about week four against the Chiefs when he wasn't able to play. And then the Broncos and 49ers games where he was obviously still, you know, not the same quarterback because he was recovering and getting back from it. Patriots are six and three other than those three games. and And that is what they were expecting to get with Cam Newton under center. They weren't expecting him to throw 300 yards a game. You know, I would have expected about 200 yards. <laughs> That's not much, uh, but with the current receiving <laughs> talent they have, that is what it is. But specifically where he adds a lot of value is in the running game, and he provides that short yardage ability, and you can clearly see how the Patriots are relying on Damian Harris, and even Sonny Michelle had a solid day out there to, you know, drive this offense and Cam Newton and his ability and threat as a runner and ability to stress a defense and force them to watch and be aware of him means that's still gonna be a little bit easier for the running backs.
0: Especially Rich, when I don't think there's anybody on the Chargers over about two fifty. They have a very small linebacking core and the Patriots saw that and they exploited that. And this run game, again, I wrote it in my fan notes. I would put them up against any rushing attack in the National Football League. This offensive line is fantastic. That's even without Isaiah Wynn and Marcus Cannon. Uh, they have been able to gel perfectly. And Damian Harris, if you ever had any doubt that he wasn't the guy, he is definitely the guy. Sonny Michelle was back. He had a decent day. He had 10, 10 rushes, but he only had 35 yards out of Damian Harris. He's averaging five yards a carry. I love the fact that there have been so many plays that the Pages have called where everybody knew that they were going to run it. Harris was going to get it. And they still were able to gain positive yards. And I think the reason that's because you're right. I mean, I like Cam Newton's always a threat to run. So even if they, they are showcasing run and they are broadcasting it, it's not guaranteed to go to Harris. It could easily be a bootleg. Um, they, can, they, they can they can notion it wide, they can do a jet sweep with Jacoby Myers or Nikhil Harry. They have a lot of options in the running game. And I know that his stat line doesn't look great, Cam Newton, twelve of nineteen for sixty nine yards, but when you're running for one sixty five and you're running back, your lead guy's averaging five yards a carry. Like, why even bother throwing you? What's the point?
1: Yeah, and I mean, that just definitely points to the Patriots' offensive strategy this year. And, you know, when you look at around the league, they currently are third in the league in plays per drive. You know, third in the league in plays per drive. And so they, they know that they are going to be leading long, extended gr- driving, uh, grinding drives. Uh, and they're going to be relying on the running game to get that. So if they can gain four or five yards a clip, it's not going to be pretty. It would obviously be more efficient and effective if they were able to pick up big chunks of yardage through the air, but that's just not available to them. And so with the talent that they have, they're able to run the ball, and they run it extremely well. They lead the league in rushing attempts. They are second in rushing touchdowns, third in rushing yards, uh, top 10 in yards per carry. They're not turning the ball over, which is huge. And all of that is a recipe for winning what should be grinded out games uh if the special teams unit doesn't go absolutely ham on this chargers team
0: <laughs> which they absolutely did a punt return for a touchdown and a punt uh, blocked field goal for a touchdown which represented a basic 10 point swing right before halftime gunner finally got one after having one called back the week before on a ridiculously nonsense penalty some great blocking once again matthew slater and justin bethel lead the way that is the best gunner unit in like two ah. gunners and a gunner i guess what we did which which is kind of nice uh, and then again, I don't I don't remember exactly who blocked the field goal. It was number 22. I remember that. And then McCourty, you're not going to catch McCourty in the open field. Uh, having 14 points scored off special teams in a defensive unit that just wasn't going to let the Chargers get into the end zone. Uh, that is a recipe for success for sure. As always, we can talk about special teams if you want, but I think that's something Belichick has always stressed, and as you mentioned in our last podcast, kind of a, a Nostradamus kind of thing, Rachel, about how awful the Chargers special teams unit was, uh, and that really was a turning point in the game.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that was Cody Davis who who blocked that field goal attempt uh, right before the half. He's taken over that Nate Ebner role uh, in the Patriots special teams unit. But yeah, I mean, this is a Chargers special teams unit that is not just worst in the NFL. According to Football Outsiders, they are the second worst special teams unit of all time, uh, so long oh. as they've been recording them, which I think is back to the early 80s. So the second worst of all time. That's how bad that <laughs> they are. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's so ridiculous. If you've been following certain beat writers on Twitter, I think Jeff how put a list of all of the things that the chargers messed up on special teams uh i think that on two punts they only put 10 players out there on another punt they had 12 players out there that gave the patriots a free first down uh they had like a false start out there that uh, you know missed field goal blocked field goal uh, gunner had another really good kick uh, punt return you know that was almost back into the end zone gunner's having himself a season and he's really earning some more time i think that he should get more opportunities on offense um I mean, this Chargers special teams unit literally handed the game away to the Patriots because if you look at the game script, if you say, okay, Gunner doesn't return the punt for a touchdown, okay, uh, the Patriots don't block that field goal right before the half if, like, somehow they make it, this is much more of a game than, than you would think, right? It's, it's not necessarily like the Chargers were not being able to move the ball. You know, their last few drives, I know that the Patriots are playing some sort of a prevent defense because uh, they had such a big lead, but, you know, they were, you know, getting somewhere down the field. It's just that the Chargers needed to get a lot of home runs. And so once the game script flips to that point where the Chargers need to obviously throw the ball, they can't use Austin Eckler as a running back, it means that, you know, a 14-0 to deficit at the half is incredibly different than a 28-0 to deficit. And so, yeah, I mean, the Patriots special teams unit deserves all the credit in the world. Jake Bailey is having himself a season. Nick Folk has been incredible. Gunner has been fantastic. I mean, this is just the story of the game is how this special teams unit had probably one of the best games in the season for a special teams unit and maybe even NFL history.
0: Yeah, it's funny, man. Of all the uncertainty surrounding Patriots, what they're going to do with the offense, the defense guys leaving or getting traded or whatever, I think one thing that will always be able to count countdown is Bill Belichick will have a very solid special teams unit. That's just kind of how he rolls. And thank goodness, because they are definitely the, you know, I think we neither of us had them as our X factor, but they should have been. The special teams for the Patriots basically won this game because, yeah, once you're up 28 to nothing going into the half with a very strong ground control clock killing team, which Patriots can be if they run the ball well, you're just not going to come back from that. And it allowed the defense to do what they do best against rookie quarterback with show a lot of different pre-snap looks, confuse them at the line, uh, get to him in a way that they couldn't get him before. And this game was pretty much over. And uh, I thought the defense played really well. Uh, I'm actually very pleased with how Jawan Bentley's coming along. Uh, I, I think that the secondary continues to do well. Adrian Phillips keeps being a godsend. Kyle Duggar had a great game. But my game ball defensively has to go to Adam Butler. I don't know what's mm-hmm. happened this guy the past couple of weeks, but he's an absolute force.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that this defense has really come together. Uh, in the recent weeks but yeah Adam Butler has been fantastic he's really elevated his ability I uh, played about half the defensive snaps he's the leader of that defensive line unit uh, I, I know that they have other players like Lawrence Skye is another great player but I think Butler's versatility and the fact that the Chargers were in obvious passing down situations meant that Butler's number was going to continue to get called and he keeps on delivering he makes all of the players around him better Josh Uche had a really great game as well yeah. he's really coming into his own as well and I mean, this is just a Patriots defense that plays very good complementary football when they have a lead, right? Like, this is a secondary that has the most talent in the league, but there's only so much they can do if the opposing team has a lead and they're able to run the ball down this, obviously not as beefy defensive front. Well, once you get that lead, my goodness, there's no way they're going to give that up. <laughs> this is, yeah, I mean, Adam Butler definitely deserves credit. I think JC Jackson has done an outstanding job. I know he was like the sixth defensive back out there because um, Kyle Duggar has taken over that Duron Harmon type role as the, uh, the third safety with Devin McCourty and Adrian Phillips as the two lead guys. This is, I mean, this was a complete game from the secondary they were making crucial plays they're forcing turnovers and I, i think what really stands out is that austin eckler who had been the engine for justin herbert earlier in the year still had nine targets only 32 receiving yards to show for it eckler has been what has allowed the chargers to extend drives in recent weeks with his receiving ability patriots just erased that and without that safety blanket justin herbert floundered 100%.
0: 100%. This is usually the kind of game where we'd say this was a complete game. This is the Patriots starting to find their identity, what kind of team they're going to be going into the postseason push. This kind of game usually comes around early to mid-October. But, again, this is not a typical season, and it's better late than never, I suppose. Uh, definitely the best game of the year I saw them play in terms of Cottonwood football. Any concerns, though, Richard? I know we talked about Cam Newton not throwing the ball that well, but not really needing to. Is there anything you saw on, on Sunday's game where you're like, this is still a big issue for this team?
1: Yeah, I mean, anytime that you only have 69 passing yards, uh, not for a lack of throwing the ball, you know, 3.6 yards per attempt, that's not ideal. Uh, They're not getting the ball down the field, Uh, and part of it is just that the Chargers have a really good pass rush, don't get them wrong. They have, like, a really good defensive front, and so Cam Newton had to get rid of the ball, but... Six targets for 15 yards for Jacoby Myers, three targets for 15 yards for Nikhil Harry, three targets for 16 yards for Demir Bird. Those are your top three receivers. Getting 16 yards is kind of just, it's a huge question mark. I don't necessarily think it's entirely Cam's fault for that. I think that the Patriots have intentionally decided to forego a lot of passes down the field uh, in order for those longer grinded out drives. But if if I am the Patriots, if I'm Josh McDaniels, I don't think that this is sustainable playoff football. You need to have a few home run plays to put a stress on a defense. And of course, New England didn't need that because they had such a handy lead against the Chargers team. But it's one of those challenges that we've not seen them be able to do consistently throughout the year. So I don't know if it'll be available to have that home run play when that number is called.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're not always going to score two special teams touchdowns. You're not always going to have a 28 to nothing lead going into halftime. You're going to be down 10 points, 14 points. You have to be able to come back, and they don't really have that ability right now. However, uh, that may not matter should the postseason unfold the way it probably will based on what happened in the, around the league this past week. The Patriots are currently still the 10th seed in the AFC. They didn't really move up or down based on the win. The Raiders won. The Ravens played tonight against the Cowboys. The Browns won. Rich... The Patriots, I think, are very capable of winning out, finishing 10-6 and six when the season comes to a close. That still might not be enough to get in as that seventh seed. Looking around the league and the teams, they still have to play each other in the AFC. Are you confident at all the passing sneak in or is it not in the cards?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard. So let, let's look at it quickly here. The Patriots have games against the Dolphins and the Bills. the The Ravens, you know, they have their game tonight, but they are also playing the Browns you have uh the the bills who have games against the steelers the patriots and the dolphins and throwing like a tricky broncos team on the road as well so all of those could be lost the dolphins they play the chiefs patriots raiders and bills so that's an incredibly tough road to hoe on for the rest of the year for the dolphins they could go 0 and four uh and then you have the colts who have the the raiders texans the steelers and then of course the jaguars so uh Last one being the Raiders, they play the the Colts, Chargers, Dolphins, and Broncos. So each one of these teams ahead of New England has the option to lose two or three games. And what the Patriots need is to win out and for the Dolphins or the Colts to lose three games and for the Raiders and the Ravens to lose at least one more game and for the patriots i think that's possible i mean they're obviously going to have to earn their way in the rams game on the road is not going to be an easy one and the dolphins and the bills are two very good teams and if the patriots are able to beat the dolphins and the bills then you know the fact that the dolphins and the bills still have to play each other the dolphins have to play the the chiefs they have a very very difficult remaining schedule i think that the afc east is out of reach for the patriots but Uh, New England still has a chance in my mind to take that last playoff spot. And if they do, it will be by jumping
0: over Miami. And that could very well come at the end of the season with against Jets who the Patriots can definitely be at home. The Jets at that point will probably be Owen 15 vying for Owen 16. And it's going to be an absolute disaster. I think that could happen, Rich. I think the Patriots can win out, as you said, tough game against the Rams come from Thursday, which will break down later on this week. Um, But I think they can go 10 and six. They can also go eight and eight. I can see that happening just as easily. And, that's a lot of difficult games that their, their AFC, AFC rivals for the playoff spots have to, have to endure. So, uh, things are unfolding well. It just makes you wonder if they just won one of those 50, 50 games where they fumbled or the goal mine stand or whatever it is, they'd be in a really good spot right now. Who'd have thought?
1: Yeah, no, totally. And it goes back to that original point uh, that I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast, those three games of COVID that like has made or the made or broken the Patriots season because, uh, those are the games. Those were the 50-50 games that the Patriots absolutely should have won. They should not have lost to the Broncos. Um, but yeah, then there's also that goal line stand against the Seahawks. They had those games on like the 25-yard line against both the Bills and the Texans. This team is... You know, It is what they are. The the Patriots' record is what it is. And they are a fringe playoff team that is trying to vie for a spot at the end of the year. And there's still a lot of football left to play. It's not out of the cards for New England to get to that place where they need to be. Uh, If if they beat the Dolphins, then they'll have that tiebreaker as well. So they don't need to have three games over the the Dolphins to, to get to the postseason. They just need the Dolphins to lose one other game. And they need for the Raiders and the Ravens to lose one other game, uh, or to lose one more game, and then the Patriots could have a chance to sneak in.
0: I'll tell you if this team does sneak in, for what it's worth, if they can keep running the ball the way they're running it and be stifling defensively, uh, this is usually wild card teams have a really t- t- tough path to the Super Bowl. And I'm not saying pages have the talent to make it Super Bowl, but. You don't want to face kind of a, a hot, wild card team that can run the ball really, really well in the, in the cold. You just don't. That's not what you want. Uh, and, again, I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to they're go too far. But, man, it would be fun to watch this team play the way they played against the Chargers against anybody in the playoff bracket.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, if they get there, maybe they'll get to go to Pittsburgh. If the Chiefs get that number one seed, then the Patriots might go to Pittsburgh, which I think is a very winnable game for New England. And then if they get past that first hurdle, the sky is the limit until they, you know, play the Chiefs, and then we'll see yeah. what happens. Um, but that's all I have for this week, Alec. Do you have any final thoughts on uh, Week 13 of the NFL
0: season? I don't. We've got to rest up because we got to turn this around quick. Big game on Thursday night.
1: All right. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one.
0: You too, buddy. See ya. Later.